I have personally seen this woman minister to ladies after a workout, proclaim the good news of Jesus. Outside of the gym, she calls me pastor, but inside the gym, she's, Audrey's my coach, one of my coaches. And if I'm not getting after it, she will call me buttercup. Like she will call me out. Man, she's tough. So proud of Audrey. Well, today is a very special day to all of you men who have kids. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, Raph. Come on, we gave some of you dads, or all you dads, take out your root beer. We hand it to you, dad's root beer, when you came in. And some Father's Day are just a little bit more special than other Father's Day. Why is this Father's Day a little bit more special? I, I, I can't imagine what you're talking about, JBB. Um, so uh, it, in the Father's Day video, if you guys saw it, um, I made a joke about not expecting a rookie class in 2021. Uh, I'm super excited to announce that there will indeed be a Ravenel rookie class in 2021. Rav's going to have number five. So let's, come on, man. Let's hold up our bottles, root beer. Let's toast Rav. Let's toast each other. Come on, cheers. Here we go. Bam. Mmm. Mmm. Number five. Man, you're bringing, our staff are having kids left and right. Stephanie, come on. One more. If Matt Christie can still do it, we can do it. Come on. Come on. How many of y'all would like to see us have one more? Foster, adopt, have our own. We can reverse. We can do something, right? Come on. Let's do it. <laughs> all right. I have another gift for all you dads. I've been working on it a little bit. How many of you are ready for a little bit of a dad joke? All right. All right. All right. How, how do you know a dad joke becomes a dad joke? when it becomes apparent. <laughs> yes. All right, one more, one more. How do you know your dad's getting really cold? When he starts to turn into a popsicle. Yes. No? Should have stopped while I was ahead, I think. All right, let's take out God's word. Time to get serious. Dive in. Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. I'm excited that you're here as we continue our series through the book of Acts. We've seen what happens when Jesus baptized his followers with the Holy Spirit. They got bold. They began to just proclaim the good news of Jesus. And they were eyewitnesses. And they told the good news of Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And what was happening, what started in Jerusalem, was really spreading. And now they're responding to persecution. There was great pressure on the church and they saw their first martyr, Stephen. He was stoned to death. And so people were getting out of town and they were leaving and they were being persecuted. So it picks up Acts chapter 11, verse 19. It says, now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. So from a small group of persecuted refugees... It turned into a huge gathering and uh, good, uh, the church flourished under this difficult time in Antioch. I mean, it, it went from Jerusalem to the epicenter. The new hotspot for Christianity was Antioch. That was the first place where followers of Jesus were called Christians. And it grew and grew and the church just began to, to flourish. They didn't just survive pressure, but they, they thrived under pressure. And how many of you, you, you don't want to just survive a hard time. How many of you want to 
thrive during this hard time. Because let's face it, we're all under pressure right now. There's a great amount of stress. Our whole world is facing it. We're feeling it. We're sensing it. Uh, Domestic alcohol and drug abuse are continuing to rise. There's more suicides now. You're feeling the tension relationally. Uh, You're feeling it financially. There's just all kinds of pressure right now. So how are we going to respond How are we going to respond? How many of you like normal? Like you don't like change? You like automatic? How many of you? Like that's probably most of us because crisis is just the opposite of that, right? Uh, Crisis has a way of turning your life upside down. And and then it just kind of makes things very difficult. It creates pain. And how do you respond to pain? Because life is 1% of what happens to you, 99% of how you respond So how are you going to respond to pain? How are you going to respond to pressure and to crisis? Dads, how are you going to respond? How are you going to lead yourself, take care of yourself, take care of your family? How are you going to be remembered? How are your children going to remember you during a a pressure time, a crisis time? We can learn from the early church. We can learn from the followers of Jesus and discover truth from the word of God. It's alive. We're in the presence of the Lord. The Holy Spirit wants to inspire us to apply God's truth to our lives so we don't wilt under pressure. We don't just survive, but we, we thrive. And that's what I desire for you. It's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen by accident. Your intentions aren't good enough. It takes great amount of faith. It it takes you choosing to say, you know what? I'm gonna have some spiritual grit. There's gonna be some faith. There's gonna be a supernatural grace gift at work in my life so I can thrive. And so let's look. The first principle that we can can see with with pressure is that pressure doesn't, it doesn't only develop your character, it reveals your character. It tests your character. Proverbs says that, Man, a trial is like a great furnace where impurities are, are burned out. And what you have at the end is who you are. And so when there is great pressure, your true colors come out of you. It reveals who you are. And we've seen, man, we've seen it all, haven't we? We've seen people become combative and critical during pressure. We've seen people withdraw and become depressed and there's all kinds of emotions and emotions in and of itself are not bad. I mean, they're just reactions, but you can control what you give yourself over to. You can give yourself over to a bad attitude or a good attitude. You can give yourself over to compulsively worrying, or you can give yourself over saying, Lord, I can't control this, but I will put my trust in you and I'll be positive and I'll see the silver lining. And I'm going to trust that you control what I can go through. And so you can redeem this for your glory because people are watching y'all. People are watching the church just like they watched it back then in Antioch. I imagine like when they were there, they, they began to watch very carefully how these persecuted believers were responding to the pressure. And, and it's easy. It's easy to be positive when things are going good. You can be faith filled. You can be energetic. You can be the optimist when things are going good. But what about when you get punched in the mouth, right? When, the, when, your, po- when your pockets are empty, when you're struggling with your health, when, when things around you are becoming unraveled, how, how are you going to respond then? Because it reveals who you really are. And for some of us, this needs to be a wake-up call. We need to look back and take inventory and go, you know what? I don't like what came out of me during this time. I don't like what's coming out of me now. But by faith, I can trust the Lord and I can see some changes inwardly that would reflect God receiving glory. And that's what we all, no matter where we're at on this journey, no matter how we've responded or responding, 
Let this be a moment that we look at the word of God and by faith we can be inspired to make some changes so we can grow in the likeness of God's character and many people will glorify God through your actions, through your words, and through your attitude. And so let's, let's seek that because when there's great amount of pressure, pressure has a way, a, a trial has a way of bringing character development. Like in James, it says rejoice when you face all kinds of trials. Why? Because it develops your character and perseverance. And so when you are under a great amount of pressure, it has a way of breaking us down and making us humble, doesn't it? It strips us of selfish pride and it makes us more dependent upon the Lord and others. When we're ever just so dependent upon ourselves, that's not a good thing. God wants us to be poor in spirit. He wants us to be meek and dependent upon him and other people. So we need to be people who are known by our humility. And humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It's thinking of ourselves less. And so let's be a humble people. Let's trust the Lord and put, our, put, put God uh, to the test and allow him to work things out and seek his wisdom on solutions to our problems. I think the character of our church has been tested over the last few months, hasn't it? And I want to say how proud I am. There's been many of you who did not wilt, but you found a way. When people were in need, you found a way to feed them. When, when there was ways that we could proclaim the good news in creative ways, we did. And we've, been, we've seen the Lord of the harvest save so many people and add them to our church family. Did you know that we've had more people saved in the last three months than the first three months of the year? We've seen over 250 people saved during this crisis than the first three months. All praise to God for that. I want to say I thank all of you small group leaders and coaches that are here in person and online. We honor you. Thank you for finding a way. And you're finding a way to take care of our flock and you're calling and people and you're having virtual small groups and you're and you're, and you're finding creative ways to meet outside and with fellowship. Thank you. We need you. You are so important. You're, and you're, you're, man, you're just giving us a, you're, you're showing that the character of our church is strong in the Lord. Here's another thing that we can learn from the early church is that pressure will cause you to either break or endure. Break or endure. I think whenever there was great persecution and pressure on the church, they, we could see times where that maybe there was division or people quit when it got hard. Like John Mark, when he left um, the missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, or we can see when they came together and they united and there was prayer and brotherly love as a result. So what are you going to do? Are you going to break? You're going to break down? Or are you going to endure? There's a story of Adornium Judson. He graduated from college and since God's call in his life to be a missionary to Burma. And so he left everything and took his family to a country that had an imperial death sentence on anybody convicted of changing religions. And so there it was Judson who was, he was put in prison. He survived a death march. For 17 months, he was behind bars, but he did not give up. Upon release, his, just a few months later, his wife Anna died. And from 1812 to 1850, 24 of his close family members and associates passed away, including several of his children. He experienced hardship. He experienced hardship spiritually. For the first six years that he was in Burma, not one salvation. After 12 years, there was only 18 converts, but he did not give up. He kept going. He kept trusting the Lord. And by the time he died, he fulfilled a dream of seeing the Bible translated from English to Burmese. 
and 100 churches were started. 8,000 converts in Burma because of his hard work effort and because of God's grace gift upon his life. In 1993, the head of the Evangelical Fellowship in Burma said, today there are 6 million Christians in our country and every single one can trace back their spiritual heritage to the missionary named Judson. And not only that, we have a widow in our church named Renata Judson, who also traces her spiritual heritage of her family to this great, great, great grandfather who never gave up, who endured under hard times, under great pressure for the kingdom of God. We can be inspired by these stories. How are you going to respond under great pressure? Because the Lord sees it. I think he sees his children when they're in the end of the rope and then they grab the end of his and you keep going and trust him. He says, I'm gonna put my faith, I'm gonna put my grace and my blessing and my favor on you. We see this in the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 21. It says, and the hand of the Lord was with them and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. They watched They watched the early followers in Antioch. They watched how they responded in persecution. They didn't get critical. They didn't turn on each other. They didn't give up, but they began to be more generous and they looked for opportunities to proclaim the good news of Jesus to their neighbors and to others. And people watched. It didn't make any sense. They had to leave their home. They were displaced. They were refugees, but they continued to put their trust and love in the Lord and people watched. And because of their actions, because of their, their, their words, they got saved. And I imagine this is a time that the world is watching. There's pe- our neighbors are watching. And may the deeds, may your deeds and your words and your attitude be upon the lips of everyone. And may they glorify the Lord in heaven. This is the principle that we learn. That the favor of God opens doors under pressure. The favor of God will open up doors. He sees those who are faithful who put their trust in him, who don't give up. And his hand of favor will lead to the favor of others. And there's great opportunities there. It's easy to see the problems, right? And have a bad attitude and become critical or negative. But a true leader, a person who has faith in God, they will see past the problem and see the solution. So I wanna encourage you, wherever you're at right now, whatever the pressure is, whether it be financially, relationally, with your job, with your family, ask the Lord, would you reveal to me what is the opportunity around me right now? How can I make a difference in the lives of others? How can I glorify you to see the kingdom of God advance? You can ask that with your own family. Again, men, lead the way. Dads, lead the way. Take care of yourself. Make sure that mentally, emotionally, physically, you're strong because you are modeling that for your children. Spend time with the Lord, abiding with him. Lead your family to the altar and worship. Date your wife. Have a healthy marriage during this time. Where it's hard and there's a lot of pressure, man, you flourish and you look past that. You find ways to be creative in having dates with your spouse. Those of you who are are considering growing in your maturity and serving your way to leadership at church, I encourage you to consider being a small group leader. The harvest is ripe, but we need more workers in the labor for you. 
in the field. And we're praying that you would respond to the burden of the Lord and seize this opportunity because we are living in the last days and we must see more small groups multiplied in our community. We must see more churches multiplied in our city here and there for the glory of God. I sense that this is what's happening right now, that the enemy is, is, is trying to make this season very dark where there's a lot of confusion and division. And I think he thinks that he's got the church on her heels, but I believe this is gonna be our finest hour, that we are on the eve of a great spiritual awakening and we get to see many souls won to the kingdom of God. But it's gonna be a choice that our church that you are gonna make. Am I gonna just survive? Am I just gonna get through? Am I gonna withdraw? Or am I gonna put my trust in the Lord and there's gonna be supernatural strength and grace in your life? And this is what we need to see. This is why we need to have faith and trust in the Lord. The persecuted church did. They responded in prayer. They responded with brotherly love and unity. You know, we don't, we don't know firsthand, a lot of us, about what persecution is for the sake of God. Some of us will wilt as soon as people reject our testimony or if it starts feeling awkward, we withdraw. We don't know what persecution is, but the church did and they were bold and the word got out what God was doing through the acts of the believers in Antioch, and in verse 22 of Acts 11, it says, the news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And I want you to notice what he observed when he got there. It says, when he came, he had seen the what? The grace of God. He was like, I don't just see the works of Christians trying their best. I see the supernatural grace of God upon the lives of these believers. And he was what? He was glad. There was greater joy in his life because of what he was witnessing in Antioch. And he encouraged them all with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So when Barnabas shows up, he's like, I, I've heard the rumors. I got to see if it's true with my own eyes and my own ears. And when he showed up, he didn't see a church that was wilting and hiding and giving up under pressure. He didn't see a group of believers who were scared, who were uh, thinking about moving on. He saw a group of believers who were united together, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And the church was multiplying. God was adding to the church all for the glory of God. He was encouraging. He encouraged them. He was saying, keep going. There's a, per, there's a grace gift here. Keep going, keep going. And so here's the reality that we discover in truth that can be true in your life, that there is grace available under pressure. Praise God. How many of you desire a little bit more grace in your life? You could use a, an extra dose of God's supernatural favor. It's unmerited. You may not deserve it, but you could use God's supernatural work in your life. More power, more presence, more love, more generosity in and through your life. The acts of the Holy Spirit that manifested through the acts of the apostles can be manifested in your life as well. If you would just yield, if you would just be humble, if you have a motive that says, God, through my life, I want to glorify you. And the Lord is searching and he's looking for those that he can bestow a supernatural grace gift in and through your life. Pressure requires you to be creative. It requires you to be dependent upon the Lord. Then in Acts chapter 12, and it didn't get any easier. If anything, it got more pressure in Acts chapter 12, verse one says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass them from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Herod was the ultimate politician. When he was with the Romans, 
Everything was, he made sure it was great with Rome. But when he was in Palestine, man, he was, he was a politician because he knew if, if the Jews were happy, then the Romans were going to be happy. And so he manipulated situations in the temple and by decisions. And, and he didn't want to have any, this religious, this Christian sect rise up and cause disruption. And so he saw what happened with Jesus. And now this is one of Jesus's apostles. And we see James who is beheaded for his faith. And when we look at this verse, it's easy to make an observation. It's like, man, James just got a a sentence. He was an apostle, right? Stephen got practically a whole chapter. He was the first martyr, but now we get to see the second martyr is James. But just because he passed away, it doesn't mean that his life lacked any kind of significance. I imagine when he came into heaven, that Jesus was there to embrace him he said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You didn't quit. You didn't just run away, but you were bold until the end. You see, we, not, we should not fear death on this earth. It is not just a necessary end. We're all appointed to die, but rather it is a gateway. It's an entry point to eternal life with Jesus. Amen. May we look past any kind of threat upon death upon any of our lives, but rather, rather we be encouraged and inspired because our truth, the truth is that our home is not here on earth. We're just passing away. What happens here on earth is temporary compared to eternity with the Lord. Amen? We get to have eternal life and joy. There will not be any more weeping, no more pain. That is our hope. That is our hope. And God wants to give us grace to be able to continue to live out our life for his glory. Then we see in verse three, it says, and because he saw, this is Herod, that it pleased the Jews, talking about his putting James to death, says he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. And so when he arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore, in verse five, kept in prison, but constant prayer, constant what? Prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And this is what we must understand, that prayer keeps us dependent upon the Lord that we can react with fear or trying to figure things out, trying to fix the problem on our own, or we can go to God in prayer. And may that be the knee-jerk reaction of every single one of us when we experience hardship. May we not just complain or seek help anywhere else, but may we fall upon our knees and desperately call out for the God, for grace, for wisdom, for provision, for a breakthrough, because that's what the church did. They experienced the hardship of seeing Jesus persecuted and put to death. Same thing with Stephen and James. And now Peter, their leader, Peter is now in prison and and Herod has every intention of making him a martyr as well. Four squads of soldiers. He was chained to them. But what I want us to discover about Peter is that Peter didn't panic. It says, in fact, in verse six of Acts chapter 12, now when Herod was about to bring him out, that means execute him. On that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door guarding the prison. So he's got chains, he's got chains to the soldiers. They didn't want him to escape. There's four squadrons of soldiers. This was the eve of his execution. This was his 
most horrible hour. He saw what happened to Stephen and James. He knows this could very well happen to him. But what is he doing? What is he doing while he's being chained to these soldiers? Is he worrying? What is he doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping, y'all. He has a relaxed mind. You can't sleep when you're worried and you're struggling. I mean, most of us would, man, you'd give him a pass if he could, if he stayed up all night, but he was literally sleeping. Are you sleeping well during this time? Because a relaxed mind, Peter, he had a trust in the Lord. He knew God was in control. And he, here's the key. He was able to see through an eternal lens and perspective, not a worldly lens and perspective. Where did he learn this? Well, if you are familiar with the gospel of Matthew, you'll know that shortly after Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? It was Peter who said, Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the King. And Jesus said, upon that declaration, I'm going to build my church upon the rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, shortly after that, when Jesus began to prepare his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and die, do you remember Peter's response? He was like, no, 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 surely not, Lord. We can't do this. We can't go. Uh, we got to protect you. And how did Jesus respond to Peter? Get behind me, who? Satan, right? He calls Peter out. Why did he do this? It's because Peter was seeing things through a worldly, temporary perspective. It was almost the same way that the devil tempted Jesus for 40 days in the desert because he was trying to tempt him to experience glory with, without death. And so even Jesus had to confront his closest friend. I imagine that was a teachable moment that Peter never forgot. And so in this very moment, when he was facing death, when the pressure was coming in around him, he was able to sleep like a baby because he had his trust in the Lord. He had grace in his life. Some of us need to experience that. We don't need to just give in to the fear mongering all around us. We don't need to give in to worry and anxiety. I mean, yes, those are common emotions that we can have, but we don't need to give over to that. We can have the same peace and trust in the Lord that these followers had. And they put their trust in the Lord. And the rest of the story in Acts chapter 12 is that an angel, one angel came in. There was squadrons of many soldiers, but all it took was one angel. And I love in the scripture, it says that, that the angel literally had to strike him to wake him up. He was, he was sleeping so soundly. He said, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands and he got out and he went to the church and the church was just blown away by the breakthrough and the release and the supernatural miracle that Peter was free. What God did then, he can do now. Amen.